Hey everyone, I'm George Edelman, Editor-in-Chief at No Film School, and this is the No Film School Podcast, where we talk to filmmakers about their process, their careers, how they got where they are, and how they're going to get where they want to go, and how that all could apply to all of us. We're going to go behind the story on a movie called Wolf, which is available on Prime Video, written and directed by Natalie Biancheri. Natalie is with us today to talk all about the process, her creative process, how this is a really unique concept, high concept film that is sort of also a love story, but definitely directly relates to coming of age tropes and the ideas of identity and not feeling like you are what you appear to be. Wolf is about a boy who thinks he's a wolf. It stars Lily Rose Depp. And Natalie has a really passionate, aggressive approach to her process, which I think we can all take something from in whatever we want to do, because she is absolutely committed to her path and her approach. And I think that's how she gets results and how she's gotten where she is and created her own opportunities. So here we go. I am really happy to have you here. So I want to talk about the movie. It's really interesting how many subjects it intersects with. Metaphorically, there's a lot going on. But first, I, you know, because we're no film school, I wanted to talk to you just about your, you know, what started your career. When you become a filmmaker, there's a lot of different avenues people take to get there. What was it that got your foot in the door, so to speak? Well, it was very much in line um, with no film school because it was no film school, effectively. <laughs> I, you know, probably I'm one of the exceptions that I did not want to be a director um, growing up. I had no ambition of the sort. I did. I loved writing. I loved reading. I did not like watching films very much. So, so like <laughs> slightly it ends with the usual stories of like yeah. I movies or like, no, zero. But that's refreshing, honestly. <laughs> Because you hear so many people who get in. I mean, I love movies, but you hear so many people who come in and they're like, all I ever did was watch movies, think about movies, 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 movies. So it gives you a different perspective, right? You know, the, it, it goes even further than that. As in, I actually, like growing up, I actually really hated going to the cinema because I remember <laughs> that I felt that when I went in, like the hours were robbed out of my day. Like I hated the fact that you would go in and it was light and then you would come out, it was dark. And that also like you lived a life that was so much more interesting than yours. And then actually then you were just stuck with reality, you know? And, and I remember uh, feeling that, like quite depressed after the cinema, but in a way that like reading never did to me because like a book, like you have a relationship with, you take it with you, like you're kind of in the real world, but you still can like dip into the fantasy world. Like you, you, you touch it, you tear it. So I was always like, definitely a, a, a like a, a bookworm, like hundred percent. And I did, and I did want to be a writer. Like that was, you know, that was like in some shape or form, like my, my sort of like the path that I, I, I was, so I studied literature, and then, you know, obviously you think kind of like, what, you know, what am I going to do with this degree? Like, how am I going to like make that like exist in the world? And I didn't, I didn't have anything to say at the time. Like I didn't want to like write a novel particularly. So I, I tried to be a journalist and was just applying for like a bunch of internships in London and like really tried to get into the BBC like a million times and uh, in news and they never took me. And so <laughs> I was like, okay, well, what skills do I have? I was like, I know a few languages. I have like, kind of like, you know, I'd say like literature with like 
classics branches and stuff. So I was like, maybe if I try like actual documentaries, like I have a better chance. And I did. It was like a good intuition because they took me in the arts uh, section for an internship. And then from there, I just, you know, then it was an escalation to film. So documentary filmmaking through the BBC was your entree? Yes. And what happened that made you start to think about, I'm going to make, I'm going to write and direct, you know, nonfiction, yeah. like, or fiction, sorry. Like, what was the, like, that's still like, there's still a big kind of jump. There there. Like, yeah, I wasn't and, and to have the. The I goal. felt like I was blabbering. So I was like, maybe you don't want the whole extended version. No, no, no. I, yeah. I want to know what got from, there's like, just because you want it doesn't mean it happens too, right? Agreed. So, so like you, you must've decided you wanted it, but then it's like the, one of the hardest well, things in the, the world. Truth is, so what I wanted was actually to be a war correspondent. You know, I mean, that is what I wanted. And when I was in the BC, I, I constantly, even though I was, I was, you know, working on different um, arts documentaries, like I was constantly going down to like the news desk and be like, just, sticking my they're just like no it's just like i remember someone like from hr reading me the cv of, of a girl who was on panorama which also like i was like quite like into and she like did like martial arts and like you know spoke Ar- i mean and, and the, the the sense was like you know no you're not you don't have the skills so so anyway but and but i like also of course like i you know it was an incredible job like I, you know and i was working super hard like i was enjoying it it's just that i had this like sort of dream, I guess, but I don't know based on what, because I'm actually 0% a journalist. I hate facts and don't read the news that much. So, (laughs) so, so what happened is that I started working on a program. Like I just kind of went, they would, you know, I was freelance and they kind of put me from program to program. I was put on a, on a, on a show called Pompeii and it was basically, we were CT scanning, uh, the, the petrified bodies of the people who were found in Pompeii. It was really quite interesting. And then we, yeah, sort of CT scanning and recreating their faces. And then we had drama elements in there Uh with different people. I also played a small role in it, which was definitely the clear, like, I'm never, ever going to be an actress, but uh, <laughs> it, it was the worst, most excruciating experience of my life. I just did it because like we needed like, you know, you know what it's like on films. That's like, you know, sure. you jump in, you do the part. Like I'm Italian, like, you know, definitely passes an Italian. And yeah, it was absolutely dreadful. It's very cringeworthy. Thank God. Now it's- we all have to Google it, but no. <laughs> um, so yeah so, so you were you're on set you're actually in it it's fiction and, and did it take and off fiction, but also at the same time like the director was super cool and he allowed me to like i mean at this point i was like i've been there a couple of years i was like sort of assistant producing and he allowed me to like do a bit of second unit directing and just in general like the whole world of like filmmaking which is where i would definitely put a distinction between like watching films which now i adore of course but you know it was the it was really the experience of actually creating a world you know mm. and like suddenly that thing which I'd been excluded from when I was watching films in, in the cinema at 16, like was something not only that I could be part, but I could like invent it and like, and just like discovering actors and set. It was just, it was just so fascinating. And, and I said to him like, well, you know, like this is incredible. And, and he was also like, you know, you should, you, like, you should probably consider like leaving. He knew me quite well at this point. It was like a year in the making of this project. And he was like, I think you're like quite a sort of like energetic soul. Like you might get bored of like working in an institution for so long. And, and I was like, well, what should I do? You know, how should I like jump into film? Like I didn't want to like spend on film school or, or mm-hmm. whatever. And he was like, well, make a short film. And I was like, well, how do I do that? And he was like, just do Kickstarter. He'd never done any of this himself, which wow. is like a really funny thing. And uh, so he told me about Kickstarter. And so 
I was very lucky because like the whole, like basically all the guys that worked, guys and girls that worked on this program, like we'd become quite close. Like it was a year. And so they all helped me really in some capacity. Like the production coordinator became the producer of my first short film. Like he was like him and the production manager were like the exec producers. But, you know, it was a bit the blind leading the blind. Like no one, I mean, one of them actually had made some shorts, but. So you, you all muddled through. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. did. We did. And like I raised a little bit through Kickstarter and then, you know, the, the short kind of like did like pretty decently, went to a couple of festivals and, you know, from then, then you have like the opportunity to apply for funding for the next one. And, 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 and from there it was like an, an escalation. And, but you know, that a lot of people get one short or two or three, but then you got into the, like, you made a doc, then you made Nocturnal and now Wolf, like, so it's been building and building really. Mm. What was it like shooting your first, like Nocturnal was your first feature? Like how big was the jump and how did you, how did that come together? So I always think, especially like when it's like younger people asking me like, you know, how to get into film and this, like, I, I do think there's like two things, which is like, one is like, just work super fucking hard and be like incredibly perseverant because like, you know, talent amounts to so much, but like the one thing you can do is like plow on with it. And the other is like, obviously there's just an element of like circumstance and luck and that's like just shit for people because it is. And, yeah. you know, and, I, and, I, and I was lucky because what happened with Nocturnal is that a producer who was to be honest, like a very, like also like an inexperienced, like and just, he, he was just at the start of his career as well. A producer who had a script had seen one of my shorts at a festival or maybe like a friend of his had seen it. I don't remember, but like some connection and sent me a script, you know, which never happened. I mean, I had two, mm-hmm. like, two shorts, as you say, like, and obviously I was writing things. I was constantly trying to do labs and like, you know, like a real hustler, like always trying to meet directors and stuff. Like, how did you make your career in film? But he he came to me with a script and and I, you know, for, for me, the script had like issues or things that like I didn't necessarily see eye to eye with, but I was like, well, you know, someone's brought me a script. I'm going <laughs> you know, like, to jump on board. Right, and like, sure. obviously, you know, to of course he brought you the script and said you should do you. I want you to direct it. Well, he you know he didn't have money for it, so everything was fictional. You know, and and fiction yeah. and film is fiction. Like, yeah, for very you gotta believe time. the dream, like, right? You all like you know everybody who's been in film has like worked on projects that have fallen through and you work super sure. hard and then it just doesn't happen. So again, like you know, you're juggling like many things. I also had another doc project which I never made and like was working on. So I was kind of like I re- you know I really liked the premise of the film. I thought it had a lot of potential. I didn't think the, the script was fully there, but also about like who am I to like kind of dispute this and there was this producer who basically wanted to you know try and raise money for it and I was like sure let, let's try and I kind of always thought to, that it should be a micro budget film and that we should try and like just kind of jump on it maybe selfishly because I knew it wasn't the thing that I'd written so you know but at the same time like he wanted to make it a bit bigger budget and and then you know we tried we applied for funding so much like so many applications like just over and over and over and nothing 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 and then also like and then you know we got a wonderful EP who came on board who's just like a very committed like art house producer called Sam Haley and he he came and he he was like you know maybe you should like take a bit more ownership of the script as well because like you are more of like an autorial director and so mm-hmm. I, I then started rewriting it which definitely connected me more to the project and I found like you know it it did go through like quite a change and but, you know the money wasn't there so you can connect as much as you want but, um how did and, you get that producer though I'm curious like pardon? that's kind of how did you get that executive producer? Uh, our producer, uh, Colin, who was the producer of Nocturnal, had met him, I think at a, it was at a dinner. Uh, 
yeah, somewhere and kind of like pitched to him if you wanted to. I think, yeah, they really got on. And I think he wanted like a younger producer to like help him with some project of his. So they had a sort of like, yes. Sure. And, but then, and to be fair, like, I guess, you know, even though he's like, I think a fantastic, like EP, he wasn't like necessarily like someone connected with my, so he wasn't actually right. opening up doors. He couldn't he make just, it like, happen. Yeah. He yeah. couldn't make it happen. He could just like help me be a better, you know, writer, you know, guide me slightly more. Mm-hmm. In kind of taking ownership of it and then kind of to be honest like I, I also at the same time I was like writing Wolf doing labs like working for other producers writing scripts for them whole load of things doing BBC jobs doing other jobs doing dog walking and uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, dog walking unconnected to Wolf but yeah we'll get to that in a second. but you know probably <laughs> profoundly connected like those walks with five dogs three tied to your backpack yeah. two in your hands right um, you know, a lot of leashes. I did see a lot of leashes. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so in, in all of that, then what happened? So when I was kind of like ready to give up on Nocturnal, to be honest, because I just thought it was never going to happen. And it was it's super hard because I was casting and I was involved in this point. I've written it like about a thousand times. But I was like, I have to step away. Like, I cannot do more free labor for this. Sure. And the producer, like, you know, and he really pulled it out of the bag. Like, I mean, he'd been going to like different markets. Like, I think he'd, decided to abandon this sort of European route of like funds and stuff like that and went to the States and started looking for like investors and dropped the idea of making it with like a million, which, you know, to us seemed like enormous budget and was like, let's make it for 250, shoot it in 17 days. And I have the cash and we're going to do that in about five weeks. And so that's five weeks. As in, we had five. Yeah, weeks. you have five weeks to get going. Yeah, yes. yes. With no my D, the DP that I worked, you know, DPs that I'd worked with production, like nothing, like gone. Everyone was like on. Stage. Yeah, of course. Um, Where did you shoot? Well, we shoot. We shot in a place I'd never been to, but he told me there was a place that we would have to shoot him because there was like some sort of like tax, tax credit, tax or cheaper or whatever. It was in in Yorkshire, a place, mm-hmm. a, a very particular place called Hull. And, you know, me and the producer went on a recce and like, and, and thank God it's like a very cinematic place actually to, to shoot. Well, sort of Hull, Bridlington, that whole kind of area. But, you know, again, it was, I am the best described, <laughs> the best way to describe that time period of my life was like between finding out that like, of course I made the decision as well, because like I did question whether I should do it or not, you know, whether it would be like crazy to make mm-hmm. a first film in that way. Also, because I wasn't particularly experienced like fiction director at all. Mm-hmm. So but then I thought, you know, if you're going to be a filmmaker, then be a fucking filmmaker. And like, you know, you actually, someone is giving you the chance to do it. Like, and, but I did feel like, I generally felt like very sick every single day from and the, the time that like he told me that we could make it until the time. Oh, we sick. Like I can't, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Sick. Like physically, yeah. like yeah. genuinely, like just such such anxiety i mean it was ever like just finding it was, it was also like a cre- it was not a script also like that was conceived to be made on two hundred and fifty thousand pounds or yeah. whatever budget was but it's you so, just grabbed the bull by the horns because you were like this yeah i mean it. i really like i reduced i cut out like 20 locations because obviously i mean 17 days like honestly yeah, it's, that's... It's, it's super tough like it and i know there's like stories of people making five days sure. i don't genuinely don't know how they do it maybe if you have one location but we had like 26 even when we shot like car washes like different things and also like the story is so slight so you did need visual aids you did need to change like 
you know, of course, like it, the initial like opening of that film was like a stadium full of people. I was like, yeah. oh, we're going to actually make that. <laughs> not going to be able to do that. <laughs> out of focus girls running right, right. a completely empty stadium. <laughs> like, you know, what's crazy though, what I hear, what I can tell in you recounting it is that you were working very hard, like in every possible angle and direction at this time to get your career going. Like you were doing everything you could. And when this thing came as a possibility, you were like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to miss it out. Like I'm going to go for it. Right. Yes. I think like the truth is like, I didn't dream of being a filmmaker when I was a kid, but when I did fall in love with filmmaking, it was like, I'm all fool, you know, like once I made, especially when I made the first short and I, and I think like everybody does feel that way. It's probably because we're all like huge egotists and narcissists (laughs) and hard. And so like you get to control the universe and it's amazing. But I just thought like, oh my God, this is such an incredible, like seeing actor, you know, you write something, you see it blossom, like you see a universe grow, like you just, it's just, I just found it so incredible that I thought like, God, like what else am I going to do with my, like, I can't, I don't want to do anything else, please. No. So what, yeah, that was definitely the driving. And it, despite the being sick all the time, pulled it off. Like, I mean, it worked and better than you expected. I imagine like it it went well enough that you went right on to another feature that you'd been working on before. That's the thing. I mean, to be honest, and I'm not saying, I think like, you know, it was, I I think amazing that, you know, I had nocturnal, especially going into a film that I was then going to have like to direct people behaving as animals, like (laughs) to have like a a little bit of like experience behind me, but they were quite disconnected because I basically shot nocturnal as I finished shooting Nocturnal, I think like a month or two months later, we got the fund, the first bunch of funding for Wolf, which obviously means that the script was completely done. Like, you know, everything was already in place to get that. And then by the time I'd finished the edit, I was location scouting for Wolf. So that was wow. how quick the turnaround yeah, was. Yeah, it was really almost simultaneous. It was, yeah. And if there hadn't been the pandemic, you know, if it hadn't been for the pandemic, which obviously like protracted us, like, yeah, it would have been just mad, mad succession. And so tell me about like, so Wolf, you were writing, you know, at another time, but it feels to me like this is a movie that's about what's happening on screen, but also about like its metaphor, you know, for people not feeling themselves or feeling like there's something they're not or connecting to a piece of their identity and how culture handles that. Where did it all come from? You know? Um, It came from, you know, I'm probably like, maybe in a sense, this is like the one of the few highs to like my brief journalistic, you know, aspiration rather than like realization. It was from hearing a news piece about a girl who thought that she was a cat. And I was like, oh, that's, you know, fascinating. And I learned that it was species dysphoria and I learned that it existed and that it was like growing in society. But then I also, you know, realized that I didn't want to make a film about species dysphoria in right. our world in 2021. And rather like, you know, there was just themes and, and ideas that came from it. Like, and, and, you know, the most obvious is of course, like Jacob's arc, you know, in a sense, which is someone who deeply feels that they're an animal and reckoning with that and sort of choosing personal freedom over sort of, let's say the annihilation of his true self. And then also, but also on the other hand, also perhaps like people, patients, teenagers who are also embodying an animal that they don't necessarily, like hadn't necessarily like born feeling they were, but rather inhabiting them, cloaking themselves in an animal, perhaps as a reaction to things about happened in their life or the world that we live in. And so, yeah, so I, I like, again, like I just thought they were sort of, I think in general, and just because we're kind of talking a little bit about like my history and stuff like, yeah, 
it's very important for me to like know what like the thematic connection with the, with the material is like probably the most important. And I think even with Nocturnal, I only really unlocked the film when I realized that what interested me, because like, you know, you think, oh, I like the script or I like this or, you know, there's something. But when I realized that I, I, I figured out that I wanted to tell the story of a man who was so kind of like inept in a sense and like coping like with himself like he was so like there's like such sort of in a way self-hatred that he wasn't able and so unable you know so blocked within himself to tell his, his own daughter that he's her father mm. you know that he procrastinates the point that things dissipate you know so again someone also wearing a mask to a certain extent like you know not being able to reckon with himself and I think when I found that out like I I, I felt like I could do the movie you know and I and like for better or for worse like not saying one was, you know, my script was better than the original one, but it, mm-hmm. I was able to direct it. And I think with Wolf, like that was kind of, that was the link to, to Species Dysphoria. It was like, there was two things that I thought were just so interesting. And I thought like shed light on different aspects of our world, our society, and the possibility to just question them or explore those on, on screen were like very, very compelling to me. Yeah, it seems like you talked initially about being a bookworm and liking novels and liking the world of fiction. And there's so much in the world of the vast world of fiction that is subtext and meaning and themes and things like that, that, you know, movies sometimes have that stuff laid on afterwards, but it's not always the artist's intent. You know, sometimes it's like, you know, I'm going to tell, tell a story. We're going to tell a good story and give, have a fun time. It's not necessarily like, we're going to talk about this powerful underlying aspect of our humanity. Yeah. That's novelist stuff, right? Yeah. But that's yeah. how you're approaching all yeah. your films. And you're not yeah. going to make one, it sounds like, unless you find that because it doesn't no, work. definitely not. And to be honest, I think it's also my limitation as a filmmaker to a certain extent. Like, I mean, you know, you, you have to be like self-critical. And I think that sometimes I'm so interested in so many themes mm-hmm. that like, I'm like, oh, but it's about this, but it's also about this. But, you know, like, and, like you know, and it frustrates me if like some sort of nuances like are like not picked up or like left aside or like need to be cut out because like, I think nothing about the world we live in or ourselves is two-dimensional or like mm-hmm. black and white or like has a happy ending or has an ending even. So like, why would I, you know, that, and I, I guess the films and the books that I do love are never like that. So, but yeah, sometimes, sometimes, you know, it's, it's, you have to find yourself picking away which layers and which meanings you want to, or themes that you're like, this is, I'm going to have to let this go because this is story critical and this is too much or, you know, or you're, you're, you're worried you're going to overload an audience with too many things. Well, I think I do. I think I do slightly overload the audience. You know, I think I do. And I think like, and, you know, again, for better, for I, I will always do it. I'm doing it in the next one as well. You know, it's like my producer are like, there's like 600 films in one year. Like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, he just, what is it? And I'm like, but I don't want to say one thing. There's so many things to say. And, you know, I think like, again, like, I think probably the, the risk of that is that then some other, like, sometimes you actually like end up being more two-dimensional because by overcrowding things, people only focus on one thing and then other things are lost and they're actually like, oh, this is just kind of a film about this, you know? And maybe like sometimes being more dropping themes and letting the material breathe more in the filmmaking process can allow people then to bring their own themes more than rather than you expecting them to see them, if that makes sense. Yeah, there is an interesting dynamic between what audiences interpret and what is left 
for them to discover? Or what is there, you, you know, are you leading the horse to the edge of the water or are you taking them all the way in? Or do they maybe think that they're somewhere that you didn't intend them to go? And are you okay with that? No, there's all that. But I do like knowing from a filmmaker that they, in your instance, you are intentionally putting meaning into what you're doing, whether people find it or whatever they find. Because a lot of times we think we're seeing things that maybe nobody intended. So, so at least you're doing it on purpose. How do you decide what you really like? It sounds like there's a lot of things, but as a filmmaker, how do you pick the, like, this is my core thing. This is what I really like. It sounds like with Nocturnal, you found it. There may have been other ones, but it sounds like you really found it. Like, tell me with the wolf, you know, it sounds like there's a lot there, but how did you know this is the main thing that I want to focus on? Yeah, it's tricky because I think well, with wolf, like I just, there was a deadline for a lab and, and, I, and I thought I, you know, might as well apply for it for writing lab. And so I had this, you know, I had like the kind of idea in my head and I, you know, I was thinking about these things and I just basically just put it all down onto paper. Like it was a three page synopsis and it's not like enormously different from what the film is. Like, of course there are like differences, but, and then, you know, and, but it was all like, but there were certain things that were like quite clear for me from the start. Like, you know, the question of like personal identity and like ultimately like, you know, choosing that over sort of institutionalization and the question of other characters projecting an identity and what that meant about society. And so those two pillars, like once I had them, you know, of course it's always like a mess, you know, to write a script and you go backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards. But, and, and maybe the trickiest thing was actually the love story because that was something that I was a bit push and pull with because I had those pillars, but then how to fit that around a love story. And it took me a while to figure out that the love story, if I, if that was my core theme, the love story could only be a not real love story. And it had to be a sort of like, you know, Mm. because otherwise they were competing Mm. thematically, you know, like, like either he's either it's, you know, a boy and his wolf self, or it's a boy and the wild cat, you know, and Mm. or a wolf and the wild cat. Um, So that's an instance where you did have to pick or you did did have have to simplify. Yeah. I did have to pick. I did have to pick as in like, I had to give them sort of, yeah, priorities and just be more precise with what it meant. Like not everything can be open, you know, like unfortunately structure, has certain requirements. So that, yeah, that was a, that was a choice. And I was a bit torn because I was like, I want the audience to be like heart wrenched at the end and I want them to believe in the love and, and, but also they can't believe in it. And yeah. So that was that. You know, I, I have time for one more quick one. I'm just going to ask. It seems like you've pushed through without second guessing yourself. A lot of times, or like you mentioned, trying to fund nocturnal people say no, or you've applied to a lot of labs or you, how do you, one of the most familiar things in this business and industry is people saying no and getting pushback or getting negative. How do you stay so confident? Like it, and maybe you aren't, but you seem like you just push through and fight through and until you get the thing done. Uh, what advice do you have? How do, how do you maintain? How do you continue and not doubt yourself? Well, I, I don't think, I do think you doubt your, like, I think doubt is like, uh, I mean, a hundred, I mean, every time I read a review of this film that like, <laughs> like, oh my God, I failed. Like it is this, it so is So you that. read them though. You can, you're, you're capable of reading them. <laughs> I do read them. I do read them. I'm always also trying you know, like <laughs> I'm always trying to like learn and like think, you know, yeah. think critically about things and yeah. stuff. So I do, I do read too much. I read too much. Um, so I think the doubt has always been there. And like, also, you know, like, I think just in general, it's like quite healthy to have like a bit of perspective, like on yourself and your projects and see their limitations as much as you can. But I think again, like, I mean, the best way to think of it is like that when I did, 
realized I wanted to to be in film, like like nothing else really seemed that important, you know, like and and so you know everything else in life did just seem a bit shit like compared to being able to make films and 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 like I didn't particularly like, feel the urge to go out with my friends until six in the morning. like it was more exciting for me to wake up at like six in the morning and instead of going to bed at six in the morning and be like I'm going to like spend time with my characters and like you know and and I did and you know I genuinely love love that like I do love writing I never feel better than when I'm writing even though obviously you hate it and da, da, da. <laughs> like, you know, but, but it, but they are like just hugely important relationships in my life. Like with those characters, like I, and, and, and I think like sometimes like, you know, the world is more depressing than the world when you're writing a script. And, and so I guess I just wanted to be in, in that, you know, that's the truth. Like I don't, it and it definitely like, it was never with ever with the thought that I would even have like focus features pick up my film, you know, and like yeah. just, like, the world, like the, the universal look. I mean, that was like surreal because yeah. it never kind of like my, it wasn't like this like ambition, you know, or like stretch so far that you're like, oh, yeah, I really want to go like and get an Oscar. Like yeah. zero. It was genuinely like just the, the chance to kind of like experience that. And also like the things that come with that, which is like, you know, meeting very interesting people as well. Mm. And like, working with actors and yeah. creating things and and so i just thought you know that is something worth fighting for like and if that's, you know maybe uh, someone will will take will take me that's a great answer i mean that it's clear the, that the passion for it guides you and not the the, the destination so thank you so much good thank luck you. and thanks thank for you. taking the time <laughs> thank you very much have a good evening bye Thanks so much for listening. Thank you, Natalie, for coming on the podcast. Check out Wolf streaming on Amazon Prime and other VOD services. If you want to follow up on this topic or concept or something sort of adjacent to it, we have a great post on nofilmschool.com called the 50 plus best coming of age movies of all time with a free writing checklist. And what it is, is a way to build a coming of age movie. What do coming-of-age movies require? If you're interested in that sort of genre or subgenre or writing that kind of story, it's worth checking out. Thanks so much for listening, and we look forward to hearing from you.